You're listening to the Best in Wealth Podcast, episode number 39. This is the Best in Wealth Podcast, a show for successful family stewards who want real answers about wealth and investing so we can feel secure about our family's future. At the Best in Wealth Podcast, we think differently about wealth and investing. You should too. Hey, everybody. How are you doing today? My name is Scott Wellens, and I am your host of the Best in Wealth Podcast. This is a show dedicated to helping real people, that's you, build real wealth so together we can take family stewardship to the next level. I am a certified financial planner, an educator, and a wealth advisor, and it's great to be with you today. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, I want to give a big shout out to my seven-year-old Grace Wellens, almost eight. She introduced the podcast today, is now on summer break, so able to spend a little time with me in the studio. Thank you, Gracie. Go to bestinwealth.com. There you will find the 10 steps to a better investing experience. This is where you will learn about real investing, not gambling, not speculation. This is the scientific approach to investing because investing is not about trying to rely on someone's opinion. And I don't know if you know this or not, but it seems like everybody has an opinion on how the economy looks and how the stock market is doing and will do in the future. Do not rely on anyone's opinion about the financial future. I don't care how smart you think they are. Relying on anyone's opinion can be detrimental to your financial future. So go to Best in Wealth and download the 10 Steps to a Better Investing Experience. And at Best in Wealth, you will also find show notes and all of the other episodes so you can put yourself in the best position to securing your financial future. So my friends, we had a first these last couple of weeks. My wife and family, we drove, we were going out of town. And for the first time ever, my wife listened to more than 30 seconds of the podcast. I don't know if she was embarrassed to listen in the first place. I know she just isn't into these money topics. But while we were in the car for a six-hour drive, I forced her to listen to one of the episodes. But I warned her at first. I told her that she is not allowed to be super critical. I want her to be critical, but she needed to tell me one good thing about the show for every bad thing about the show. That's what I told her, and it turned out to be a very positive experience. So that made me feel pretty good because my wife is very, very honest, and that can be good and bad. For example, if I get a gift, a Christmas gift, a birthday gift, and I don't really like it, I look at the person who I got the gift from and tell them that I love it. My wife is not really that way, especially with me. If she's going to open up a gift that she doesn't really like that I got her, she doesn't say she loves it. She's more honest about how she actually feels about the gift. I don't really blame her because our anniversary was last month. And right around that time, all the Mother's Day cards came out. So I went to the local Walgreens trying to find an anniversary card. And there was a whole big wall of Mother's Day cards, but no 
anniversary cards that I could find. I finally found this little tiny section and I got the card and I gave it to her and she read it. And she really told me how she felt about this card. You see, I didn't read it all the way through. And it turns out it wasn't a card from a husband to a wife. It was a card that was intended to be from another couple. And the last sentence was, we hope you have a great anniversary. So I, I totally screwed up on that one. And it's not the first time I've, I've screwed up. So I deserve some of her honesty. That's for sure. But you know what she told me when she was listening to the show? One critical point is that I said something not so great about somebody that I used to work for in my last job. And it got me feeling really bad because I didn't mean any harm by the comment. I made a comment about my old boss. Because, you know, I often talk about how passionate I am about building Fortress Planning Group, my business, my day job, and how excited I am and how energized I am to be working my passion every single day. But really, the career that I had before this one, it's not like I hated my job. In fact, I liked my job and I absolutely loved the people that I worked with. But just liking a job to me during my stage of my life wasn't good enough. My career cornerstone needed to be filled up while I was still young enough to switch careers. And that's why I decided to put almost a five-year action plan together. I mean, this was an action plan that required a massive amount of savings so I could make all of this work and not adversely affect my family, the most important thing to me. So what about you? Do you love your job? And if the answer is no, I'm not suggesting you go quit your job tomorrow. That's absolutely the last thing you should do. But I am suggesting that you start to look at a sensible action plan to make the change. And maybe you're thinking, I don't even know what I would do. I know I don't love my job, but I don't know what I would do. And if that's the case, here's your very first action step. Get out a piece of paper. List out everything you're passionate about. Then list on the other side of the page all of your strengths. Think for a while. You are strong in areas that so many people are not. When you have all your passions listed and all your strengths listed, now you try and intersect one of those passions or the only passion with one of your strengths. And if you can intersect your passion and your strength, now you have the foundation to start building your five-year plan. This, my friends, is your absolute starting point. Let's get to the topic of the day. So the topic of the day is, are you cheap or are you frugal? And I just realized that in my opening, I didn't even tell you what the topic of the day was. I think I was just too excited that my wife actually listened to one of my podcasts. And this morning when she was getting ready for work, I was working on the show notes for today's episode and told her what I wanted the episode to be called. Are you cheap or are you frugal? She thought that was a very good topic. Then I asked her the question, 
I said, baby, are you cheap or are you frugal? And she gave me a great answer. She said she was frugal, but generous. She's frugal when it comes to herself, but not with others. But I guess the question is, what's the definition of frugal and what's the definition of cheap? And we're going to get into that in just a little bit. And years ago at my last job, oh, here I go, talking about my last job again, there was a guy named Carl that worked, and he was actually a superior of mine. He was the chief operating officer. So I worked real closely with Carl, and he got to know me really well. In fact, we used to go on business trips together, too. My wife would come along, too, and we'd take trips to Las Vegas for different conventions and meetings and so forth. So one time when we were sitting in one of the lounges, we got to talking about money and Carl really got to know my savings mentality. And if you've been listening to this podcast for some time now, you understand that there was a time period that I was in a lot of debt. And once I got out of debt, I really started kicking in my savings because I was saving for the future, for my family's future, for our retirement, for the kids' college and to start my own business. So I was saving up to 50% of the income that I was making. And Carl knew that I was successful and I was making a good amount of money. And by the end of the conversation, when I talked about all of the budgeting that we do and the flex plans that Dion and I had for our personal spending. The only thing he could really say is he looked me in the eyes and said, Scott, you are the cheapest person that I know. He didn't say frugal. He said cheap. I mean, during that year, I didn't even put $1 on the gambling tables and not because I'm cheap and maybe I am cheap, but that's just not where I want my dollars to go. You see, frugality or being frugal isn't about cutting your spending on everything. Because if you cut your spending on everything, it's not going to last very long. It's like if you decided you were going to get on some sort of a health plan and it required you to work out hard every single day of the week with no break and you completely cut out all carbohydrates and maybe all meat, you got really dialed in. That approach doesn't last very long. In fact, a lot of times it doesn't last for more than a couple of days. I'm proof of that. When I start getting crazy with my diet and I start weighing my food, that's when my wife looks at me. She gives me that look because she knows this particular plan I'm on's not going to last very long. So frugality, quite simply, is about choosing the things you love enough And those things you love enough, you spend a lot of money on. But then you cut costs everywhere else on things that you don't love. I didn't love gambling. And I don't know if you know this or not, but more often than not, if you put money on the gambling table in Vegas, you're not going to get it back. It's entertainment. It's certainly not investing. In fact, it's the opposite of investing. It's not something I love. Author Thomas C. Corley, he conducted a five-year study of self-made millionaires and found that 67% of wealthy people he spoke with consider themselves to be frugal. They spent money on the things that matter to them and not on the things that didn't. 
So a guy named Rumit Sethi, he has a website called I Will Teach You To Be Rich. I'll put a link in the show notes for this website because Rumit broke down the differences between being cheap and frugal in a very simple chart. And I'm going to go through the nine differences between being cheap and being frugal. The difference between cheap people and frugal people. And then I'll link to the show notes this chart so that you can download it and look at it. And I'll put a link to Rumit's website as well in case you're interested about reading more. I have not even ever been to this website. I found this chart as it was reprinted in a Business Insider article. So I'm not exactly sure what's at that site, but I thought this chart was a good starting point on differentiating cheap people and frugal people. A couple of these I don't finally agree with either, but most of them I do, and I'll let you be the judge. So here are the differences. Cheap people care about the cost of something and frugal people care about the value of something. There's a big difference between cost and value. Sometimes you see this in the clothes that you buy. I buy pretty cheap clothes and some of the clothes that I buy break down very quickly. I'm sometimes paying too much attention to the cost and not the value. Sometimes you can pay a little bit more and have it last a lot longer and really be cheaper in the long run. So the next time you go buy something, especially a large purchase, consider the value and not just the cost. All right, number two, cheap people try to get the lowest price on everything. And frugal people try to get the lowest price on most things, but are willing to spend on items they care about. This goes back to your cornerstones. What are the things that are most important to you? If your family is the most important thing to you and they're older now and out of the house, maybe spending money on a vacation for everyone Is money well spent? Spend money on the things that you care about and cut down on everything else. All right, number three, cheap people's cheapness affects those around them. And frugal people's frugality affects only them. I'm going to be honest. When I read this, like what is Rumit actually getting at? And he might be getting at the one thing my wife said before she left. If you recall, she said she was frugal, but generous. And what she meant by that is she's a generous gift giver. She's in charge of all the birthdays, all the anniversaries, the Christmas gifts, all that stuff. She has made my life very easy when it comes to gift giving. And she's a very generous gift giver because it's very, very important to her. And if we extend that out further into the community and into the world. Frugal people's frugality affecting only them means maybe they're not spending a lot of money on themselves, but they are trying to change the world with the gifts of giving either their time or their money. Okay, let's go to the next one. Cheap people are inconsiderate. For example, when getting a meal out with friends, if the food costs $7.95, and everybody's splitting the bill or breaking it down and paying for their own lunch. A cheap person might only throw 
on the table, knowing very well that this is not covering the tax or the tip. It meant they probably should have put 11 bucks on the table and they only put eight. Here's the difference. Frugal people know they have to pick and choose where they spend their money. So if they can spend only $10 on lunch, if that's their budget, they order water instead of Coke. Okay, the next one Rumit came up with, which is, which is number five, cheap people make you feel uncomfortable because of the way they treat others. Frugal people make you feel uncomfortable because you realize you could be doing better with your money. I think what Rumit is getting at is that cheap people are judging And frugal people are just living, living in a way that you know you should be living, almost in a way that makes you feel guilty because you know there's things that you need to change in your life. And when you encounter somebody who's frugal, they start to make you realize the changes you ought to make. There was a point in my life I made people feel uncomfortable because the way that I treated them. Because I realized when I look at this list, there's things that I need to change for sure. Number six, cheap people keep a running tally of how much their friends, families, and coworkers owe them. Frugal people do this too, but not to all the people. Listen, you don't want people to take advantage of you when they borrow money or whatever, but there's some people that you give money to that you don't expect back. All right, number seven, because of the fear of even one person suggesting they spend too much money on something, cheap people are not always honest about what they spend. Let me let you in on a little secret. Neither are frugal people. Number eight, cheap people are unreasonable and cannot understand why they can't get something for free. Sometimes they're just putting on an act but sometimes they really feel like they should get something free. Frugal people, on the other hand, will try as hard as cheap people to get a deal, but they understand that it's a dance. And in the end, they know they don't intrinsically deserve a special deal. There's a huge difference. And the very last point, number nine on this chart, this got me thinking the most. Cheap people think short term. And frugal people, well, they think long-term. What about you, my friend? Are you cheap or are you frugal? You know, when I look at this chart, I feel like I'm frugal, but there's a couple areas where I'm cheap. I have work to do. Do you have work to do? Or are you just a straight-up spender, so maybe you have a lot of work to do? You know, another thing that got me thinking? Some people are just scared to spend money. They fear they won't have enough. They've been spending their entire lives saving at a really high rate and now they're retired and they can't fathom spending the money it's a psychological thing they've been so concentrated on that number and man for a lot of people that number got really large 
So it's a psychological thing for them not to be able to spend money. But making a goals-based comprehensive financial plan allows people to see the big picture and spend and still feel secure about their financial lives. So I got a quick favor to you before I say goodbye. If you listen through the iTunes podcast or the iTunes program on your computer, please go to iTunes and write a review. I don't even care if it's not a good review. I want you to be honest, but I want honest feedback. I want a review. This will allow more visibility to Best in Wealth and more people to change their life. I appreciate you guys. Thank you so much. And until next time, I am going to see you, but it's going to be on the flip side. Bye-bye, everybody. The Best in Wealth Podcast is hosted by Scott Wellens. Scott Wellens is the principal at Fortress Planning Group. Fortress Planning Group is a registered investment advisory firm regulated by the Securities Act of Wisconsin in accordance and compliance with securities laws and regulations. Fortress Planning Group does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through the Best in Wealth Podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice.